we are, we are dealing with Galatians. So we start just a word of prayer. Sorry, every, I just want to welcome every uh, visitor. Welcome here. From everlasting to everlasting, you are God. The God without equal. The omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. The great I am. You said I am God and there is no other. We come in awe this morning, Lord, aware that you are a holy God. That your throne is in the highest heaven and that you sit on your throne above all rule and authority. At your right hand, the glorious Savior in his majesty who has been given the name above all names, who is the head over all rule and authority. And there is no other name given under heaven to men by which we must be saved. Precious Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here. Thank you that you could come because of what Jesus did on the cross to deal with our sin decisively so that we can be free, so that we could be indwelt by the third person of the Godhead, God the Holy Spirit, a person with whom we have fellowship. We need you here this morning, God, Holy Spirit, to give us a glimpse of the glorious gospel that we have received as written down in your precious word which you say heaven and earth will pass away but my word will never pass away all men is like grass and their glory is like the, gla- glory, like the flowers of the field the grass withers and the flowers fall but the word of the Lord stands forever and this word is the gospel that was preached to you Pray for open ears and open hearts to see the amazing love that our God would send His Son to die in our stead so that we can be the children of God, part of the household of God, to receive His Spirit through whom we cry, Abba, Dad. What privilege, how great a salvation we have. And we thank you for that. Holy Spirit, through the preaching of the word, will you please glorify the Lord Jesus this morning. As he is high and lifted up, that we receive the Savior who gave his all so that we could live. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't want to apologize for preaching again about Galatians. It's like when I, we had a Bible study on Revelation this morning, and my wife said, I just don't want to hear again about Babylon. (laughs) 
So pray for me. <laughs> so whether you like it or not, you're going to hear again about Galatians. Because Martin Luther said, if you preach on Galatians, hit the people over the head with the message of Galatians. Because it's good news. So, Paul, in his missionary journey, came to Galatia, like he's done all over the Middle East and Europe, Asia area, preaching the gospel, preaching the good news. And he did the same in Galatia. Told the people, as he says here, Christ was betrayed before your eyes. He was in the, I almost painted it for you on a billboard. Jesus Christ crucified. Despite all his knowledge, he was a formidable young person at 28, 21. Very well versed in whatever theology the, uh, the Israel could offer. He mastered. And yet, in his missionary journeys, he said, I just want to know one thing among you. And that is Jesus Christ crucified. That is the only knowledge that you and I really need for eternal life. Nothing hidden, nothing secret. No secret societies and missions and, and, and uh, indelible uh, or in any secrets. It's all in the open. As we heard last Sunday, portrayed on the cross. Christ crucified. But he hasn't turned his back for long. When he heard from other sources, maybe on social media, he got a text that says, do you know what's happening in Galatia? They have turned their back on the cross and they are now ready to be circumcised and to become Jews. Because they were a secret mission coming from, from Jerusalem. And say to the Galatians, no, 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 what Paul has said to you is not the truth. It is just too easy. You have to be circumcised. You have to come under the law. You have to keep the Jewish customs in order to be acceptable to God. And, as, and they actually signed up. They signed up their freedom. They, they, the freedom they had in Christ by just through faith, they were ready to, to sell off. And Paul, because the criticism of these Judaizers were, Paul is not a true apostle. He was not with Jesus when he walked Israel. And he, he did not get his message from the Lord Jesus. He's got a second-hand gospel. Just, it's not the truth. And in the first two chapters, Paul is defending, first of all, the, the good news, the gospel. No, he didn't learn it from any man. He, get it, he got this directly from God. Remember what happened on the road of Damascus. God appeared to him. Jesus said, why are you persecuting me, Saul? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He thought he was, he was running after uh, um, uh, heretics. But he was pursuing actually the true believers, the, the, the church of Jesus Christ. So he defended his, his gospel, that it is the true gospel. He defended his apostleship, that God called him personally to be an apostle. That he does not have to stand, stand back to anybody else. And then, in chapter 3, he, he said to them, you stupid Galatians. 
Why do you, why do you turn away from freedom and you go for handcuffs and to be imprisoned by the law, which the Jews for centuries could not really obey? Here I preach to you Jesus Christ crucified, taking all your sin, all your bad behavior, all your concerns. I, we have nailed, I've shown you it has been nailed to the cross. But now you say, in addition to that, I have to do this and to do that. And my brother and sister, here we see the strategy of the enemy today in church. We are being loaded down with extra work we have to do in order to make sure that our salvation is secure. It doesn't matter which denomination you talk about, whether it is the Roman Catholic Church, whether it is the Reformers, whether it is the Evangelical Church, there's always the addition of rules and new doctrines that could not be found here. So here, and then in, in, in chapter 3, Paul says, now, let's look at your experience. When I came to you and I told you about Jesus Christ being crucified on the cross for you and for your sin, that required only faith. Faith means you trust, you put your trust in something. If I give you, if I give you a chair and I say you can sit in it, and, and you, you, you take the chair and you sit in it, you have taken my word by faith. And faith is not something that they were generated. Faith is something that they received as a gift. Paul says in a different place, Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, by grace you have been saved. That grace means it's a free gift of God. The difference, think of mercy and think of grace. What's the difference? Somebody says, suppose you are speeding here in Panama and the cop stops you. And... Um, you, you've done 160 kilometers on your nice Kawasaki motorbike. And they stop you and they say, you are going to jail. And you were pleading with him, oh, please, no, you know, I'm so sorry. I, I really didn't mean it and so on. And he says, okay, all right, I will let you off. That is mercy. Right. Grace, if that very cop says, I'm sorry, takes out his notebook and instead of a ticket he writes you a check gives you a thousand bucks and say good job buddy you have received the opposite of what you deserve wouldn't we like that we've received that in Christ we didn't lift a finger grace is free and you know why it's free because God says it is my glory a God like me you cannot earn anything from me I give you. What did you and I do to receive a body? What did you and I do to receive a breath? Nothing. It was free. It was gift. Now, so is salvation, Paul said to the Galatians. But they didn't believe it for long because it was too good news. They thought that they can work for it. Only have to do these, these and these things. So, but says Paul, when you believed it, when you received the grace and you believed me, what happened? You received the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came, 
Some of you were sick. Some of you were crippled. Some of you were blind. And because the Holy Spirit came into your heart when you believed and made you a new being, because 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if we believe in Christ, we become new beings. So when, when that happened, the Spirit came. And why did the Spirit come among you? Because you were circumcised? Or because you kept the law? Or is it only because you believed? And then they think, wow. And then he says, what about all the, the gifts that you've received? Remember you were speaking in tongues. Remember somebody could stand up and prophesy. Remember that guy that couldn't stop teaching and he just wanted to preach the word. Do you remember the gift that you received? And suddenly we had people singing with Mo Beautiful they couldn't sing before. Gifts of the Spirit were distribu distributed among you. Why? Because you were circumcised. Because you are keep, keep become Jews. No. It is because you believed. It's because you received grace. And then he goes on and says, um, that same, the same way that you have believed and received, the same way it happened to Abraham. When Abraham was without a child and I promised him a child, I took him outside of his tent and showed him the stars and said, if you believe me, so will your descendants be. Think what happened to the Galatians. Paul said, this is what Jesus did for you on the cross. Like, he couldn't show them a photo. He had to preach the truth. He had to depend on the Spirit to reveal it to them. He says, it was billboarded to you, Jesus Christ crucified and you believed, and you received the Holy Spirit. Abraham, 2,000 years before, looked up in the sky, and he looked at all those stars, and they were not light pollution then. Millions of stars. And he believed. And God says, because you believe me, you will live. The Bible says, Habakkuk 2.4, the righteous shall live by faith. What happens when you trust God, when you believe God, He declares you not guilty, free of sin, justified, and therefore you shall live. So just as Abraham, it happened to Abraham, so it happened to you. And it happened to Abraham before the law came, before he was circumcised, he believed. And the second promise I, Abraham received is, God said to him, Abraham, or at that stage he was Abraham, but Abraham, through your seed, all the nations will be blessed. Now you have to pay attention. Here comes the promise of the gospel. The Bible says here, and Galatians says, the scripture preached the gospel to Abraham. I thought the gospel came in, 2000, in the year when Jesus Christ uh, arrived on the scene and he proclaimed the kingdom of God. That is when he proclaimed the gospel. No, the gospel was in the making in the Garden of Eden. When he said to the woman, through your seed I will crush the head of Satan. And here he, re he repeats the promise to Abraham, through your seed all the nations will be blessed. And if you look at the verse, the verse 8, 3 verse 8, he, you, you read blessing and you read justification and you read faith in one sentence. Meaning, the blessing of Abraham is the forgiveness of sin and it is the justification. Justification is a legal term where the prisoner is brought in before the judge and, and he said, you are guilty but you can go free. Somebody paid your penalty. 
Justification is a legal term. And in God's eyes, we are legally not sinners, legally forgiven. Your worst sin, your worst record is remember no more because the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ paid for it in full. That is what Paul wanted to hammer into their heads. Want you to understand there's a 430 year difference between what happened uh, in the Garden of Eden and to Abraham and what has happened uh, when the law came. Now, I caught up. Let's read from verse 15. I'm just going to go from 13. Christ redeemed. So Christ redeemed, it means, that word means purchased, bought off. I, me too, I can't find the place. Let's go 12. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by faith. That's actually a good thing to know. So Paul puts faith here, he puts the law here, and he wants to show the difference. He says to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior requires faith, which is a gift. But if you want to look for life through the law, there is no grace. This will take hard work. So you, I portray to you the wave of faith, of believing, of receiving the free grace. Remember the check that's written? Even if you're guilty, justification. But if you want to obey law, you're on your own. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. I just want to make sure I... Yeah. So let's go to verse 15. Now to give a, a human example, it means just to give you an everyday example. Brothers, even with a man-made contract or a covenant like two, between two business people, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It doesn't say to his offsprings. So remember, the seed of Abraham or the offspring of Abraham, that was the promise made too. So he, will, he wants you to know it's a singular seed. It refers to the one and to your offspring who is Christ. So the promise to Abraham is Christ, through Christ. His blessing will come on every one of us. That is what I mean, the law which came 430 years afterwards does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Paul just wanted to say to them, God is not schizophrenic. He gave the promise first. And the law came 430 years later. When he gave the promise, he declared Abraham righteous, justified, free, before he, uh, when he believed it, before the law came. 
But when you think of the law, the law comes with a curse. If you read Deuteronomy 27, you get all the blessings if you obey, and you get all the curses when you disobey. It's almost like if you are in a cedula, on a certain temporary cedula in Panama, and that, that cedula said you are not allowed one, um, if you break the law in one point, you are out of here. If you break the law, we send you back to the country where you come from. So when I'm on my temporal, uh, temporal visa, I just say, yes, sir, no, sir. They say, jump, I jump. If they say, stop, I stop. I do whatever I can, what the law says to obey the law, because what? I'm concerned about the penalty. And that is what is the curse. Because above the law says, if you do not obey the law, you will certainly die. And God is sovereign. He's, when we sin, it's an affront to His holiness. But it is the way, as I said to you, when God brought the Israelites out of Egypt at Mount Sinai, He gave the law. And He said, you will live if you do this. Because if you don't, you die. So it's almost like there are two, two ways we can go. We can go by grace, that is free in Christ, which is a gift of God because of His great benevolence, because of the price that God paid, or if you want to go your own way, you do it under a curse. James 2.10 says, if you obey the law as a whole, and you fail to keep one aspect of it, you are guilty of breaking them all. How would you like that? Just one misstep. Panama kicks you out. Not, not for five or ten, for one. Think of the law as a pearl, a string of pearls, with all the different laws. You can't break them individually. You break the whole string. And if you break them, it's like a, a trap. The, 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 the curse comes. Now, Paul, Paul's going to ask us, why the law? Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions. If this is the law, if this is the, if this is the line, and there's, a, there's a, 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 something published on a post, do not cross this line. And I do this. I have transgressed that law that says do not do this. Before the law came, there were no transgressions. Suppose you, you go to a very fancy uh, castle somewhere in Britain and it's, it's, everything is beautiful. They've got stone paths and they've got this lush green grass. And you are walking all over the grass and you're just looking back at the buildings and you're just overawed with the beauty of it and the architecture and all the splendid stonework and so on. And then you suddenly you come across a little sign on the grass that says, Keep off the lawn. Before you walked, before you saw that, you had no problem walking on it. But the minute you saw it, what you do, you, you look around and you, and you tiptoe off it. You have become a transgressor. When the law came, it made those who cannot obey the law transgressors. But please remember, before the law came, we were not pure and holy. We were just sinners. Not just sinners, but sinners. Why? Because of we were in Adam. 
Adam transgressed the law of God in the garden and said, do not eat of this tree. Because if you eat of this tree, you die, you will surely die. And when they ate, that sin spread to you and I. So before you and I, even in the crib, we were sinners because we are a race. We have inherited, we, in Adam we all sinned. But now when the law came and he says, keep off the grass, and we walk on the grass, now I've, on top of that I've become a transgressor. Do you see that? What is happening here? The law makes us feeling even more guilty. Because Paul says in his... Sorry, I have to read why then the law? It was added because of transgressions. Verse 19. Until the offspring should come. Who is the offspring? Jesus Christ. So the law was added because of transgressions until this offspring should come to whom the promise had been made. The promise that in, in Him we will all be blessed. And it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary applies more than one, but God is one. What that, that's a difficult verse, but what that means is, when God gave the law on Mount Sinai, the Bible says He was writing it with His finger. And in Hebrews... We don't find it in the original text in Exodus, but in Hebrews it says that He has given it through the mediation of angels. So, God, angels, Moses, people. That's how the law came. Through intermediary. How did God gave, give the promise to Abraham? God, Abraham. No intermediary. That's what it means by God is one. God is not schizophrenic. He had a particular purpose. And the same thing happened when God made a covenant with, with Abraham. When Abraham, God said to Abraham, I will give you the land. I will give you Israel. That land that you put your foot, I'll give it to you. And, and, and Adam, uh, Abraham asked, how? How will I know? And then God made a covenant with him. And how did he make the covenant? He put Abraham to sleep. And God walked amongst the carcasses all by himself. God took it upon him to keep that promise all by himself. He didn't need human intervention. He didn't need human action. Do you guys see that? It's important you see that. Because when the law came, he had he, Moses uh, sacrificed an animal and he took the blood. And he took the blood and he sprinkled it on the law. And he sprinkled it on the people. Meaning, it is not unilateral. It is bilateral. God asks your obedience for my blessing. When he gave the promise to Abraham, he put him to sleep. He took upon him the salvation on his own. On his own. Do you see that in the, in the Bible? That's why it's a huge affront to the holiness of God when you and I want to earn our salvation. When you and I want to curry favor with God. It's impossible. You touch His glory. And he says, I will share my glory with no one. So, is the law then contrary, in opposition, or does it cancel uh, the, the, the promises of God? Certainly not. And that is, the, he's, he's dealing with the criticism now of the Judaizers. The Judaizers said, you can't make it so easy. You can't just say people must believe. You have to bring them under the condemnation of the law, otherwise they will not live holy lives. 
Paul says, certainly not. Because what they miss is what is the mysterious event that happens when I believe. When I look at the cross and the Holy Spirit in my heart says, that is where you belong. Under the curse of God. Becoming sin. But when I believe, God says, you are you wipe out my record of sin. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The blood has set us free, has brought us free. We look into Him and I'm absolved from my guilt. And opposite to that is the law. If I don't accept God's grace and I think I can earn my way through the law, God requires 100% obedience. And there, Paul says somewhere else that it was impossible for any human being to keep the law perfectly. The reason God gave the law at Mount Sinai, it is after He has washed their sins away with the, with the Passover lamb, at the night when the firstborn was killed, when he brought them out and baptized them in the Red Sea, he told them, now that you have been forgiven of your sins, this is the law that dis display, the law displays my character, my will, the way I am. And I want you now that you are my people to walk in the way of the law so that you and I will become closer. So that you, by the law and reflecting in the law, can see how far you are away from who I am. And then they could run to the sacrificial lambs and the sacrificial animals and, and pay for their sin. And uh, block that. So the, Paul says, the reason the law was added is so that for us, we see what sinners we are and it will drive us to Christ. The devil is keeping the law up for us and show us how holy we should be. And he accuses us when we fail. God looks, lifts up the law and he says, look at the sinners you are. This is the solution. Christ on the cross. Because he knows through the works of the law we will not be justified. We shall just be justified by faith. Yes. Yes. Um, let's go to 16, uh, 21. Is the law contrary to the promise of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed by the, be by the law. Then we would have read in the, New, in the Old Testament that those who obey the law will live. But the Bible says those who believe will live. But the Scriptures imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. How did the, how did the Scripture imprison us by sin? Listen to um, Romans 3.10. There is none righteous, not one. Romans 3.19-20. Now that we know whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. 
And when we have knowledge of sin, it, looks, it, it forces us to look elsewhere for salvation. Now, before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. That word guardian is the wealthy Greeks and the wealthy Romans, uh, they paid an educated servant to take care of their children and to educate them. And when they go to a higher education, they would take the child from home to the school, hand him over to the schoolmaster, and when the, when the school is done, they would come and fetch the child back to home. And that's what the Bible says. The law is. The law is that guardian that, that, that shows us our sin, and it keeps us, because the purpose of, of the law was not only to reveal sin, but it's also to restrict it. Because... When the law says, if you murder, you will be put to death. If you steal your hand, whatever, whatever the law says, because of the penalty of the law, it has an influence. That's why we have laws in our country, is to restrict sin. So not only do we know sin, it restricts sin, but that, that law is, is the guardian that takes us to the Lord Jesus Christ so that He could take care of that penalty that, of death that is just looming over me for when, one misstep. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Do you see? Can you read with me that verse? Right, let's go, let me just find it again. So, verse 25. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. We are free from the law. So what I wanted to say before is, why the criticism of the Judaizers, what Paul demonstrated to them, is once you have accepted by faith the offering of Christ on the cross for my sin, something mysteriously happened to me. I become indwelt by the being of God through the Holy Spirit. I become a new being. Now, we, in our, now we have a double nature. We have the nature of Adam, which tends to want to sin. But we have a new divine nature, received by grace through faith, that is in us, that will give us the desire to obey God, to walk in His ways, to obey. And Paul says, a different place, that we have been baptized into Christ. When we believe, we get baptized into Christ. It has nothing to do with water baptism. The water baptism is what I do afterwards as an, um, a demonstration to the world that I, I um, consider myself dead to the attractions of the world, dead to the sin of the world, and I identify with Christ in His death, and therefore when I, they bring me up from the waters, I identify with His resurrection. So, but when Paul says that we have been baptized, it is the work of the Holy Spirit, the, work, the, the mysterious work of the third person of the Godhead, to turn you and I as a sinner into a saint. By having redeemed us from any curse that we have, or is hanging over it. So now I have the divine capability in me to obey. I don't need to have the I don't have to have the instruction, keep off the law. Because now, since I have this in my heart, I will keep off the law. I will be able to maintain what 
God looks like in the law. I would love my neighbor. I would love him. I would read the word. I would long to pray. I would no longer cheat or lie or steal. Those are the things that, that the Judaizers could not understand. Because they thought you have to have the external restrictions. Don't touch, don't do this, don't go there, do this, do that. Before they can toe the line. And Paul says, no, you don't know what that redemption in Christ is really like. It is a new life. I have received a new hard drive. I've got a new operating system. My default is going to God. My default is obedience. And I am grieved by my sin. I don't need a penalty over me that threatens me to obey because I have love in my heart for God. I have love in my heart for my Savior and that has come from God's grace and I am driven by that. That's why I'm a new creation. And that's what the Judaizers couldn't fathom. There is neither Jew... So, so... There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. So what Paul says here in the last chapter is, what is the result of that faith that has come to me graciously through God, through the Lord Jesus Christ? He says we are no, first of all, we are no longer under the law. And he says we are now all sons of God. So we are part of the family of God, part of the household of God. And he says that we are all one in Christ. So not only am I sons, and uh, we are sons and daughters of the Most High, part of the family of God that we could not obtain through works, but now we are members of one another. We are members of one body. He says it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile or you're male or female or you're a slave or free or you're rich or poor. In the church, we are all members of the one body. He does not obliterate nationalities and ethnic groups and genders. He just says that if you become part of, he, uh, uh, if you believe the promise, you become part of the body. And then he says, and the last one, we all become the offspring of Abraham, which the, um, it's my phone, time to stop. So, the, the, so when, we, we, when we believe and when we accept the promise that we receive in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have become the offspring of Abraham. That's all what Paul wanted to say to them and drill into their heads. You don't need to, to, to mutilate your flesh. You don't need to obey the law. You don't need that. To become a child of Abraham, you have become a child of Abraham through faith. Because he is the father of faith. Amen. Thank you. That's the best news I have to share. That is the best news I have to share. And, um, and I think that's why probably Paul was beaten up so many times. He couldn't keep quiet. Couldn't keep still. We have to share it because I, 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 see, I see on YouTube the videos of people that go to the Vatican and uh, Peter Basilica and how they crawl on their knees up a flight of how many stairs and back 
because they believe when they do that they earn God's salvation because that's what the church teaches. No, we have access. Free access by grace. Let's just bow the heads. If there's anyone today that's here that just feels convicted by their past or overburdened by their past or fighting off their sin or not sure whether the love of God is for you or the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus is for you. And I want you to, to remind you of the words that Jesus said, I am the living water. I am the living bread. And like he said to the Samaritan woman, if you knew who it was that asked you for a little bit of water, you would ask him and he will give you the living water. The Lord Jesus this morning wants to give you life. And he gives it free of charge because of his love and because of his grace. Stop earning. Stop carrying your, the weight of your sin around. There is good news. If the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. And I just want you to say, Lord, save me. Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner and I cannot earn my way to God. That I will always be under the penalty of God. Thank you that I can accept your grace by faith. Because the word of God is true. It stands forever. God says, I'm not a liar. He cannot change his mind. Only men are liars. And I want you to Speak to me afterwards. You can help. Those of us who are Christians who are with guilty consciences, we can all leave it at the foot of the cross.